Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, Jesse Jackson here, and I'm announcing a contest. Starting now through the end of February, all you have to do to win a copy of Nikki Germain's Springsteen at Liberty Hall is to go to iTunes and leave a review for the podcast. Hopefully a good one. I would love nothing but five stars in a three or four sentence review about why you love the podcast and why other people should listen to the podcast. Once you post it, send me a screenshot of your review. Email it to setlustingbruce at gmail.com and everyone who submits that um, review, a screenshot of that review, will be entered into a drawing to win Nikki's book. If you include your mailing address, I will send you a Set Lusting Bruce sticker as a way of saying thank you. So that's all it needs. Go iTunes, rate and review the show, make a screenshot, email it, setlustingbruce at gmail.com, and who knows, you might be enjoying this wonderful book absolutely free. And now let's get the show going. Yeah, that's very true. I get bored very easily. So I don't like to, one of the things that I think when I make an album is that make sure that there's no song that's like another in the sense, obviously in an album, there has to be a continuity. It's not just yeah. like jazz, blues, rock or different, just one genre within that album, but I'd like to make sure there's different keys, different rhythms, different kind of stories, so it's not boring. And there's some kind of journey, if you like, that the that I like to take a person through. And that's become more and more important as I became more experienced. But in terms of genres, I do a lot of different genres. So I still have a, a very, now in my music, some folk influence, the singer songwriters of the 70s in Italy, also like the cantautori italiani, Rizzo di Adalla, maybe you don't know these people, but anyway, those were very much storytelling, storytellers. And so some of my music is like that and quite somber and quite thoughtful. And so other times I have delved into kind of more dark stuff like electronic music and I've collaborated with other electronic musicians and and it's been a bit more gothic looking, gothic sounding. 
But then I also have comedy. Like I do some comedy songs because I find that if I do stuff that's too heavy and sad, it's just I need a laugh now. So then I start doing comedy music. So I've got this kind of cabaret folk slash rock, like indie folk rock. And then I have these electronic, strange, experimental projects as well. I am fighting on the front line. Though the victory's not mine. I swallow blood and pride. Try to take it in my stride I woke up and tried again I keep on playing the same old game I wanna not fought with words of hate Only one by tempting fate I know I won't let I keep on going My hurts, my wisdom I hope it's showing And welcome to a brand new episode of Set Lusting Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson. We are getting off the Bruce train, though I'm sure he will come up as he often does. But we are talking music with a musician. She is calling me from the future. It is Wednesday afternoon where she is. It is Tuesday night where I am. Alisa, welcome to the podcast. Uh, thank you for having me. Yeah, so let's start out. Tell us a little about yourself. Yeah, so I've got a lot of, I'm a bit of a chameleon. chameleon. I've got a lot of things, a lot of hats that I wear. So it's, it can be a bit overwhelming for me too. Basically, I have a double life. I, on one hand, I'm a musician and I teach music as well. And I am multi-instrumentalist and a recording performer. So I write songs and then I record them. But I also teach people some instruments, a voice mainly. And on the other hand, I'm also a therapist, a hypnotherapist, and I also write. So I've written a couple of books and I'm writing another one at the moment as well. So I'm just always really busy I because I'm interested in so many things and I wish I had more hours in the day, but hey. <laughs> I, I, We all know that feeling. That is great. I am thrilled that you've taken time out of your busy schedule to visit with me. I think we're going to have fun. But I always like to start at the beginning. So talk about yes. where did you grow up and what kind of music was your family listening to? Yeah, so I'm Italian. So until I was 18, uh, I lived in Italy. And my family was into classical music and opera. My father is a big opera fan. And so I, I basically grew up with Mozart, Beethoven, Strauss, Mendelssohn, you, you name it, Chopin, uh, all of those. Although I never learned too much like what the sing the albums were and what the names were, but but I 
recognize a lot of classical music, even if I don't know the actual name of the um, particular piece of music. And then, but then when I was in my teens, let's say about in 1985, I was 10. That's when I discovered actually Bruce Springsteen. And because it was famous, like the day, the, I think the year before, this Born in the USA album was out. And, but in Italy, we got things a bit later. And so I got to know him. I got to know him in that album. But then at the time, I was a bit of a mainstream person, which I'm totally not now. But at the time, when I was a kid, I was into uh, like cringeworthy Rick Hasley and Ross. And, and my brother, he said to me, you've got to change. This is terrible. I'll give you some music you can listen to. So he gave me It's a Kind of Magic by the Queen, The Doors, Led Zeppelin. And I was like, oh my God. And, and Pink Floyd. And I was like, okay, this, this is proper music. <laughs> Alyssa, that, Alisa, that is a common story of the as i've done all these episodes siblings pay a big part in your musical journey if you're the oldest you end up influencing your younger siblings or yeah. and if you're a younger sibling you are influenced one way or another sometimes they'll go another way right because your older sibling is into something you end up going to grunge or punk or something so yeah that's great was did you always want to make music no when i was a little kid my main well okay yes and no in okay. the sense that singing absolutely when I was like basically, I remember six years old, I was obsessed with cartoons, of course, being a kid. And in Italy, we had for each cartoon, you would have a, a song, a theme song. So with my little recorder, I would press record on the cassette tape and I would record all of the theme songs. And then I basically learned everything by heart because I wanted to be a cartoon singer when I grew up. <laughs> so that's the music side. And write, but writing also was like a big thing. Like I, I used to write stories all the time, poems all the time, but I only started clicking and connecting the two when I was around 18. That's when I thought, oh, I could actually write my own songs rather than just poems. So I guess that's when it all started. But then of course, there was a really long journey in learning how to do it properly. <laughs> Did do you remember any of the cartoon theme songs? Oh, God. What's her name? Magica, Magica Emmy. <laughs> Magica Emmy. I remember that one. Uh, it's like ma magical Amy. That and, is uh, awesome. Very nice. Christina, da Christina Davina is the name of the singer uh, that did all of them. So I wanted to okay. be like her. Very nice. So let's talk about did you, when you decided, like at 18, you realized at like the old TV commercial, peanut butter and chocolate, two great things go together. When you decided that music and writing could go together, what were your next steps? What did you, what was the next thing in your journey? The first thing was actually, I actually got another influence in my uh inside me which was from a friend that I made in Scotland basically I was in Scotland at the time I was living there and she introduced me to Scottish and Irish and English folk music and also she introduced me to psychedelic folk of the 70s 
specifically in the UK. And I was like, mind blown, amazing. So I started learning all these traditional songs mixed with sort of 70s psychedelic versions of the songs. And then I learned them all. And that was very good because it, it helped me to understand how to write a story into a song, what needed to be there in terms of verses for chorus, bridge, that stuff. And then once I had a repertoire and I was singing in folk clubs and things like that, that's when I thought, wait a minute, maybe I could write myself something. So I wrote a song. And then the next step was basically recording it straight away. I was like, wow, oh, I should record this. I had a friend who had a studio and he didn't know 100% what he was doing. So it wasn't great, like the actual song. And yeah, I still have it. The recording, you can hear it now that it's not the best recording in the world what i can do now is like millions miles better but still it was the first kind of seed and and since then my process has been write write perform and and then uh, by that time i'm sick of those songs which is a shame because that's when you should go on tour and actually promote the songs but usually what happens is it just I'm burnt out by that by that moment and I'm like, no, now I have to write new things, learn new stuff. And so this cycle is, that's my cycle. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report. And you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. I have a real good friend named Sarah Hickman that we met early in her career. 
And one of the things that frustrated me as a fan that record companies didn't know what to do with her because every album sounded different. She wanted to do different songs and there wasn't a, this mode of a, and Whitney Houston is absolutely beautiful, but a Whitney Houston album sounds like a Whitney Houston album sounds. And, and that it sounds like you have a lot of that creative juices as well, where you, your muse takes you to different types of styles and different music. Talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah, that's very true. I get bored very easily. So I don't like to, one of the things that I think when I make an album is that make sure that there's no song that's like another in the sense, obviously in an album, there has to be a continuity. It's not just yeah. like jazz, blues, rock or different, just one genre within that album. But I'd like to make sure there's different keys, different rhythms, different kind of stories. So it's not boring. And there's some kind of journey if you like that the that i like to take a person through and that's become more and more important as i became more experienced but in terms of genres i do a lot of different genres so i still have a, a very now in my music some folk influence the singer songwriters of the 70s in italy also like the cantautori italiani maybe you don't know these people but anyway those were very much storytelling storytellers and so some of my music is like that and quite somber and quite thoughtful and so other times I have delved into kind of more dark stuff like electronic music and I've collaborated with other electronic musicians and and it's been a bit more gothic looking gothic sounding but then I also have comedy like I do some comedy songs because I find that if I do stuff that's too heavy and sad, it's just I need a laugh now. So then I start doing comedy music. So I've got this kind of cabaret, folk slash rock, like indie folk rock. And then I have these electronic, strange, experimental projects as well. When, do you, do you remember your first gig playing live? Oh God, yeah. I mean, my first gig, I was really young and it was... I was scared, like you wouldn't believe, like I was trembling and my paper, I had the piece of paper and it was trembling and I was like, oh my God, everybody can see that I'm totally nervous. Ah. So it was not a good thing. It was not a, a great gig because for years I suffered from performance anxiety and it really was debilitating because I would be able to sing really well when I was on my own and really be able and move myself, move whoever wasn't maybe in the house with me. But then I would go on stage and I'd be feeling like terrified and I would be very stilted. And the performance was all about being perfect. But really in the end, it was missing the aliveness and that vulnerability. I just was so scared. So that went on for quite a long time. And it's taken me a long time to change it and overcome it and actually enjoy the the performing. It can be an amazing drug. It's just like feeling so alive and connected with, it's very present. Did, is that what led to your coaching? Because No, it's your... the other way around. Okay, <laughs> so talk around. to me. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, so I was, I became, oops, I became a hypnotherapist a long time ago, actually, like 
25 years ago, something like that. And but I for a long time it I it just didn't compute. I, for whatever reason, I didn't think, oh, wait a minute, I could use hypnotherapy on this problem. I just thought, no, I'll help everybody else, but not helping myself. And then one day I was just so desperate because I had a really awful gig in which I got so nervous that in the middle of the gig I blanked, couldn't remember chords name lyrics nothing and i just ran out of the stage it was so like humiliating i was thinking oh maybe i have to just give up like this is terrible i'm having a terrible time and then somehow i don't know how but it dawned on me i was like well, maybe there is one thing i haven't tried i have i've tried drinking a shot of tequila that doesn't work i've tried to take beta blockers that doesn't work i've tried the improv yes i had a lot of fun it helped me with the audience but it again didn't work all these things and I, and I thought but I never tried hypnotherapy and so then I thought I should go to someone a colleague or many colleagues I did and that was like revelation oh actually this stuff works and of course it does work I, I'm a hypnotherapist I know that it works otherwise I wouldn't have a job but it's this strange thing I just didn't apply to myself and then from then on I put together a bunch of techniques from different people and started working with people with performance anxiety. And then after that, I wrote a book about it. Of course, blah, went on and on and it grew legs and arms. So that's how it went. What got you into being a therapist? I don't know what it is, but actually, yeah. <laughs> if I am totally honest, when I was in my teenage years, I wasn't a very happy teen. I was very sensitive and I got bullied at school and I just didn't, I was not happy. And I remember reading or trying to read the Freud interpretation of dreams, which is incredibly difficult to read. And as a 16 year old, I just didn't, I couldn't understand it, but I tried. And while okay. I was reading the book, yeah, while I was reading the book, I said to myself, I think you need therapy, Lisa, but you also need to understand what's going on you should learn psychology you should get a degree you should do this and but then I had a, a, a talk to a friend of mine who was like actually this guy that I fancied and he was such a he basically said oh no don't do that and he basically convinced me not to go to university to study psychology which is crazy when I think about it now that I let someone have mm -hmm. so much power over me but anyway even though I didn't do that I got into it by the back door because basically I decided to study philosophy and then from philosophy I went on to Eastern philosophy, so from Western to Eastern and then from Eastern philosophy it's very close to get into religion. I started studying altruistic and new religious movements and shaman and then from there shamanism and then when I got into shamanism I realized that it was it was extremely interesting but it was all about accessing an altered state of consciousness and i thought maybe i can't be a shaman but a hypnotherapist is the it, the nearest thing to a shaman you get in, in the western world without the nat supernatural element of course and so that's when when i stopped finished university since i decided that i wasn't going to go into academia as i planned beforehand I thought I should become a hypnotherapist so that's how I got into that sort of realm mm -hmm. yeah so once you decided you realized that physician heal thyself as they say 
did you, is that when you said, hey, I know there's other people, because I can't remember, and you probably know that, but statistically, in people's list of fears, speaking in public is usually very high. Is that why you thought maybe that there might be a little bit of a calling for you to help people find their creativity and share of themselves? It was more when I started realizing that these two lives I had run always parallel, that they needed to join. And, and it was not natural for me to... I even have two different names. I'm Elisa Di Napoli, yes. I'm Elisa Vulpes. Elisa Vulpes is my alias in terms of like music-wise, but really, I'm the same person. It's just these two parts of me. And actually, they're quite connected. And if what's a good way of connecting them? But actually, <laughs> this is the way in which I need to connect them within myself. And if I do that, then I can also help other people do the same, uh, meaning I can help musicians because I really understand what it's like to have this problem as a musician and so what but i also know what to do about it because i have overcome it so it's oh this is the greatest thing i should really do these things together put them together alicia what do you are there common things that people do to self-sabotage themselves being confident to to perform to to do public speaking I don't know if I would call it self-sabotage unless the person fully believed that they were an imposter and they were like, okay. I just have no right to be here on the stage because I'm not good okay. enough. If, if that's a very common thought that lies underneath all of this. Okay. And then there's the fear of judgment or other people are going to judge me and find that I am that imposter, that I shouldn't be, I'm a fraud, that kind of yeah. thing. Yeah, so that's the, a very common thing that happens. But that comes from that comes from experiences that go beyond music. It could be sometimes it is to do with music and particular traumatic experience you might have had. But other times it's more than that. There is a there's the family of origin. There's all kinds of things conditioning. What I call conditioning, like negative conditioning that they have to unpack in order to move forward. Did. Yeah, because I know, I I was talking to a friend years ago, and he was, he called me and he said, it's my parents, like, 50th, 60th wedding anniversary, and I am petrified, but I want to speak. And I said, Michael, I'll be glad to help you. And I talked about some things that work for me. I write out the speech, even if I'm not going to say it verbatim, I do that. And I practice and I, I make sure that it's in my voice and I'm comfortable. And then yeah. what shocked me is I said, and understand, I am nervous every time I get up to speak. Mm -hmm. He said, you're kidding. Mm -hmm. You never act nervous. I said, oh, man. Sometimes you don't want to get between me and uh, the bathroom because I'm, <laughs> my nerves are such. I said, but I go and the first joke you get, the laugh, you, you get your success and understand that in most cases, our audience is, wants us to be successful. Oh, and cool. I've had comedians on the podcast and we talk about the difference of being funny in a work meeting 
is totally different than being funny at a club because at yeah. work people want you they're they're pulling for you if you're yeah. performing in a club it's hey i've spent a lot of money be funny the i think talk are there other things or that you talk about as you're doing this that you find that helps people have that confidence to be themselves yeah i I have a whole free masterclass that I actually do and that I offer people. And it's all about, this is like a, not quick fix, because obviously nothing is a quick fix, but more like a technique that you can use before a performance. And it's not the only thing, but it's like something that at least is a, helps you to get through it right and it's a, a basically a ritual when i say ritual i don't mean in a religious term another religious meaning but what i mean is like this so first of all you've got to stop your fight or flight reaction because that's that if you are there and you perform in, in that stage things aren't going to go well uh so to stop it you the easiest way is to actually how can I explain this in a really short, short manner? So when you are in a fight or flight state or freeze stage, your sympathetic nervous system is activated. And what stops or uh, what stops the, the sympathetic nervous system in its tracks is if you can activate the parasympathetic because it's two switches. One can't be on if the other one is off. You, you only have, sorry, the other way. You can only be on one switch can only be on if the other one is off. So both of them can't be on at the same time. So then in order to do that, there's a couple of tricks, so to speak. The first one is one that a lot of people don't know, strangely enough. And that's basically aerobic exercise. And by that, anything that's going to get your heart rate up. So it could be jumping jacks, going up and down stairs, dancing. But you need to get that heart rate up because you want to imitate the, res the natural response of someone who is in a state of actual danger. If there's an actual danger there, there's someone with a gun in your head, okay, what do you do? You need to either fight this person or run away if you can or play dead. But playing dead is not going to work in this scenario. So it's more like use that adrenaline, use that cortisol, trick the sympathetic nervous system into thinking that you are doing what is needed to defeat this enemy. And then the second thing, once you've done that, is diaphragmatic breathing. So with the diaphragmatic breathing, we are then triggering the parasympathetic nervous system fully. And that's when the third thing you can do, but only after you've done these two things, is to engage your prefrontal cortex, which is all about like positive affirmations and all of that. But you can't actually be rational and analytical and listen to that unless the, the amygdala, which is the alarm center of the brain, is switched off because if you are in, if you are still in a fight or flight, all the affirmations in the world aren't going to work. They just aren't. And there's a kind of, there's a reason for that. Too long of an explanation to go into why and all of that. But that makes sense. It does. It makes a lot of sense. That makes a whole lot of sense. Let's talk books. So you mentioned, what was your first book? Oh, you mean that I wrote or that I've read? The, that you wrote. Okay. It's the first book as such is a book called Dare to be Seen which is about using hypnotherapy to transform stage fright into confidence. Yes. And then I, I wrote a book that goes with it, like a workbook, to really practically go through the exercises 
And then, yeah, other things that I've written is more like stories, poetry, stuff like that. Yeah. Do you, which one do you have a preference, nonfiction or fiction? It used to be nonfiction, but I think it's because I thought I wasn't good enough to write fiction, which is ridiculous. I was like, oh, no, nonfiction is, is, I can only do that. And then actually, I didn't even think I could do that until I did it. And then I thought, oh, oh. Actually, I can do this. And people really think they I've, I've had a really positive feedback. It's like, okay, now I can do this. And then now I'm writing a lot more fiction because it I can say it's a completely different game. And actually writing fiction is harder <laughs> uh, unless you want to write something that's not very good. If you want to write yeah. something that's meaningful and moving, it's a long road there. Now I love fiction. <laughs> okay. Let's talk about music for a while. So share a little bit, what kind of, what music are you doing and are you performing? Are you still performing live? I am, although right now, like just right now in the next six months, no. And the reason is just simply that I have to focus on composition and learning and teaching. But after that, like in the next six months, after six months, my focus will absolutely be performing. Yes, I still do perform, but not very often. I, I rather I like to do festivals or big gigs. I, I can't really be bothered with silly small stuff. It's just I've done that so long that it's like no. Like I'll do it for my friends, of course, but not yeah in, in other ways. And in terms of yeah, composing. No, I'm composing. I'm, I'm making music that's quite that's evolved because the last three albums were all about indie folk rock and indie folk. And now, and, and mainly guitar, because basically I've been playing guitar for a long time. But since the pandemic hit, I started playing piano again, and I've become, I've become obsessed with the piano. And so now I'm running for piano, like everything is piano music. And, and it's quite, again, I, I do the two things, either it's comedy or it's quite soulful folky but not folk like new folk a lot of ballads and storytelling very much about what's happening in the world other people's stories though not my stories anymore because i've it's i've done my thing i don't think my stories are that interesting anymore but i'm more interested in other people's stories now why do you think your stories aren't interesting anymore that's an interesting statement yeah i guess it's because all my early songs were all about me and my problems and my relationship <laughs> and breakups and all of that right and it's yeah that's okay there's nothing wrong with that but I guess after a while it gets a bit old and it's yeah okay can we just move on now and do something different so the first step was okay I'm gonna take the piss out of myself like not in a bad way but just like, come on it's not that bad and then this next step was like okay now I want to give voice to to people that don't have a voice. Now I actually am more interested in social issues. I guess I've grown up. I'm not a kid anymore. <laughs> so I'm interested yeah. in more serious things. Do So where can we find your music? Most of my music is, excuse me, is on my, it's on Spotify, but also on, on my site. So on my site, I guess you'll find a lot more because there's, and also on Bandcamp. So elisavulpes.com is my site, Elisa Vulpes on Spotify, and Bandcamp as well, Elisa Vulpes. So that's 
where most of my things are. There are some back catalog stuff only on Bandcamp because I don't put everything out there. Like there's some early albums and things that I wouldn't want to be there mm. for everyone. Yeah, and yeah, I think that's it. If someone wanted to check out your music, do you have some suggestions on where they start? Yeah, I think the best would be, okay, you can either go on Spotify and search there, or you could go on to elisavupas.com and you can actually get five free songs from me. So there's basically five of my best songs by joining my, my mailing list. And, and if you just wanted to have a chat with me as well, I'm having a kind of a VIP hangout on the 6th of uh, January where I would play my new songs. The ones that I am about to release in the, next year, will be releasing a song that I really am excited about because getting a producer to help me with the production for, this is the second time I use an external producer that I don't produce myself. Mm-hmm. And the reason is that I think the last song I did with a producer was phenomenal. It was just so amazing because this other person enriched what I had put down and and gave it this extra layer. And uh, so I'm quite excited to collaborate now and see what happens. Which song was that? It's this song that's called Nothing We Can Do. And so it's not been recorded yet. You know, it's just just got a demo, but I will share it with um, people on my hangout. And yeah, and, and it's about what's happening now in the world. And it's this feeling that sometimes I think, some of us get that's oh there's nothing we can do is it really true that there's nothing we can do so it's about that seeing like all the tragedies and climate change and war and this and that and hitting us all of the time and this feeling of oh gee what, what can i do what can i do so that's what the song is about so i just went to the link and i see there is a song inspired by the tv show yellow jackets I am a massive Yellow Jackets fan. It is so brilliant, yet also disturbing. Talk to me a little bit about that. Oh, yes. That's the song that I was telling you about that I did with a producer last year. Yeah. I wanted wanted to get into sync. Uh, So I got onto a course where they, um, we could talk to some music supervisors and and I started thinking, oh, I love this show. I love to write a song for the show. And so I basically just wrote a song for the show, just inspired, thinking, oh, maybe it will, maybe they will pick it up, maybe not, but it doesn't matter because I just want to have some inspiration. Like it just inspired me. Not only it wasn't important whether I got onto the show or not, but I gave it a go and it was a good excuse to write a song. Yeah, so I wanted to be very a little bit dark, and the song is definitely dark. And it goes, it brought me back to my early music when I had a band called The Moon Whispers, which was a lot kind of gothy sounding back in, I don't know, 20 years ago or something like that, or 15 years ago. And so, yeah, that song is all about, it's actually, it was inspired by the movie, even though it's not about uh, anything that happens in the series, so not movies, series. Yeah. Yeah. There's yeah. So it's it's a song uh, called the night, is, the, the night is Falling," and it's actually about Alzheimer's. Meaning, it's about what I imagine it might be 
like to have Alzheimer's when you are aware for just a second of what's happening to you, but then you fall back into this labyr labyrinthine place, almost like, um, it's almost like I think of it as a, a labyrinth, as in if you if your thoughts go in, inside a branch of a tree and then you forget where the trunk is, or you're lost somewhere in a leaf out there in this particular branch of the tree and then you're like but i don't know how to get back to the trunk that's that's how i visualize it good so i'll cut this out do you mind sending me i get a clip that i could play i'd insert in yeah. this in the podcast okay great of course yeah, 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 yeah i'll do that that'll be fun okay so let's talk about currently are there any musicians you're listening to that you're enjoying listening to Oh man, what a, a few. I am quite eclectic. I have really weird sure. tastes because I can go from listen to Chopin. I absolutely love Chopin's music. But then from there, I, I might go to listen to Amanda Palmer, who's one of my big influences. I love Amanda Palmer. I was lucky enough to see her perform in Dallas. And then I drove down in Austin to watch her book signing to... Yeah, I yeah. heard her, I loved her book and it made me want to buy a ukulele, right? Like I don't play <laughs> a musician, but yeah, I just adored her. And I just, I found her because of her relationship with Neil Gaiman. And, 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 and then I just, I adored her freedom and her ability to, I don't give an F music that's just so well done. Yeah. She's pretty amazing. Yeah, especially the Dresden Dolls. And I'm so stoked that, like, they're back. I can't believe it. Like, I wish that I could see them, but they only do shows in the States. And she was yeah. here in New Zealand for a while. I saw her live in Edinburgh a long time ago. And I actually saw her with her husband at the time, Neil Gaiman. Yeah. And in this really cool alternative place. It's just, she's just such an amazing, uh, like you say, spontaneous and very alternative, but not because she wants to be cool she's she just is yeah <laughs> i agree yeah she's just a really yes. awesome yeah yeah so it's in terms of like new music yeah but I, the way i do it is uh, i have I'm, I'm too busy so what i do is i ask my friends to give me recommendations right and send me like spotify links a lot of pl playlists and so then i listen to the the playlists and when I, what really, when I'm like, oh, wow, who's this? And I will add them to my uh, channel. But the thing is, I've got this weird, annoying, bad habit, which is that I find it very difficult to find, to remember names, the names of things. Right. Uh, I think it's because when I was a kid, I used to think, oh, names are not important. It's the sure. concept that matters. And so now I still have this thing that when people ask me for names, I blank out and I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> Who, what, who am I? <laughs> so what's next for you? It You always have a full plate. It's very clear. So well, mm -hmm. let me ask it this way, not what's next. What haven't you done that you still want to? What's still on your to-do creative list? Oh, um, there's one thing, I don't know if I want to do it, but Lately, I, okay, okay, a couple of things. One is I would like 
to sing in a band that where I, I am just a singer. So I, the other people are doing their thing and I'm not playing any instruments except for singing. And, and I want to do that because it, it can be quite freeing and, and I could focus all my energy on lyric lyrics and the singing, the emotion, emotional experience of that. So that's one thing. Another thing that I haven't done is there is this album that I started like ages ago and it's like this electronic music album but while I was starting to use it to do to record on Ableton Live Ableton Live I don't know it as well as Logic and I realized oh man I'm a bit out of my depth depth I think I need help with this so I think the, the next thing the next project will be to get someone else on board with that and finally and this one's really strange and I don't know if I really want to do it but I've been told by other people that sometimes my, especially my comedy music, it sounds a bit kind of musicals, like a musical. And and then loads of people were like, oh, well, you're right, it's just like music for musicals. And I, and I thought, what? I don't know. I don't, I don't know about this. So then I, I started going to musicals to just see whether I like it or not. And, and I thought, huh, maybe if I found a musical that was really good, I could consider doing that like just do it for fun apply oh. get an audition and see that that's that sounds that sounds exciting those are all <laughs> very cool things good yeah so what should i've asked you that i haven't oh man what should you ask me that i haven't you've been very thorough i guess oh maybe okay there's one thing that we haven't discussed. Um, I recently started a Substack for my short stories. Okay. And the reason for that is that I've been writing this short stories book for ages, but I wasn't getting motivated because like it takes a long time to write a to write a book, and, and I, you know, and I thought, what could be, what could just help me to get accountable and just do it? And then I thought, oh, Substack. So basically, I've started it, and now I am publishing a short story a month from okay. the book that will be eventually out but okay. it's all for free and it's just an opportunity to actually get it done and for people to have some a fresh story every month that's absolutely free so you, okay. you can find me there you'll you send me a link yeah I can send so i can include that in the show note very nice absolutely. good very nice any final thoughts before we get to the mary question no, I'm okay. <laughs> no, no, no. All, right. All right. Thank you so much. Before I let you go, I do, I end every podcast with the Mary question. Jay Armstrong is a retired honors English teacher, but when he was teaching, he would give his students the lyrics to Thunder Road and yeah. he would, they would study it if it was a poem, talk about yeah. the Bruce's choice of lyrics, talk about the imagery he builds. And then he would, at the end of the day, he would ask his class, does Mary get in the car? So, Alyssa, that is your question. Does Mary get in the car at the end of Thunder Road? Okay. This The whole song is basically a pitch to this lady. Yes. And if this was a movie, if this was a movie, since it's it's very cinematic, you can picture the small town. It's not very, it's not very good. This is a bit of a theme as well in, in Bruce Springsteen's songs anyway. And please come on, there's something better out there. 
if it was one of those movies, she would get into the car, obviously. That would be the end of the movie. That's right. it. So it depends. Is this real life or is this a movie? And I would love it to be like a movie, but sometimes people do, they're afraid and they don't. So I can't tell. Uh, I would hope she does get in the car, but hey. I think that's a great answer. Appreciate that. Yeah, I think that you've zeroed in, and that is what Jay talked about when he was on the first time about this, is that it takes courage to make a decision, right? When you choose to go to the unknown, it's scary. And often the fear stops us from trying, which goes back to a lot of what you discuss and in your yeah. your kind of calling to help people. So yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think that's a great answer. And is she going to be afraid to make that decision, to make that leap? We don't know. And that's why it's a well, great I question. Think, yeah, I think she definitely would be afraid, but whether she does it in spite of the fear or whether she listens to the fear, that's the real question. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. All right. If someone wants to reach you, what's the best way? Just go on to elisavulpes.com. There's everything there. You can chat with me. There's a chat box thing. Sign up for my mailing list. That's the best way to hear from me. I send you usually an email every two weeks, something like that. I absolutely am going to sign up. I saw that if you sign up, you can get a free book, which is cool. And, yeah, uh, I, yeah. <laughs> you and, can get a free book, you can get a free song. It's, there's loads of stuff. <laughs> yeah, and I look forward to seeing what you do next. And I hope the next time you have a project to promote, you come back. Absolutely. I'd yeah, love to. I love this. All right. This was so much fun. I appreciate your time and everything. And how tight will I do a little business? All right, listeners, I'm always looking for feedback. There are multiple mm-hmm. ways to reach me. Uh, our email address is setlustingbruce at gmail.com. Our voicemail is 469-249-2442. You can find the show on Twitter, AKX, at setlustingbruce. Mine is at Jesse Jackson DFW. Going to your podcast player and giving us a five-star review And rating will always help. Thank you again, Alyssa, for joining me. I hope you had a good time. Absolutely, yeah. For now, everyone, be kind, be safe, and remember, they say that love comes and goes. But darling, what do they know? I'm reaching for heaven. We'll make it there. Darling, it's just the power of prayer. Thank you, Mm -hmm. and we'll talk to you soon. Goodbye. Goodbye.
You just heard the fun talking, hard rocking, music loving, album ranking, fan thinking, joy spreading, lyric reading, story sharing podcast that is the one, the only, said Listening Bruce. The theme for Set Lessing Bruce was written by David Rosen, used by permission. So you're 40 single and looking for a month. It's late at night, you've had enough of all those bars with drunks. The leaves are falling on the ground, but you're not ready yet to be homebound. So you hit the clubs where you think it's easy to get laid. But after sex with one 20-year-old, your only satisfaction's in the kitchen bowl, stuffing your face with cake. So you revert to Jim at work, who flirts with your best friend. Come Christmas, he look up with her, and there will be his end. And then you'll feel emotional and leave the party early. Log on to online dating, shut with a 30-something, only to discover he's got a gaming habit. He's only free one hour a week, and he thinks having kids is tragic, and the only other guys who message you are a doll or creepy. They send you pics of you know what. That only make you weepy Where have all the good guys gone? And your chances all It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.